Amen. Turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. We're going to start there. We've got a number of scriptures we're going to look at tonight. Chapter 20. We have preached from this passage a few times, but there are some things going on today that make it so it needs to be covered often in many churches and These are things that a lot don't want to ever have to deal with. Well, I'm one of those. I don't like to ever have to deal with it. But nevertheless, when it's around, you deal with it. Um, Not that we're going through this right now, but who knows? Two weeks, six months, whatever. Some of you remember, you're old enough to remember when Nikita Khrushchev, the uh, prime minister or whatever title he had of Russia, back in the 1960s, slammed his shoe on the podium at the United Nations and declared, we will bury you. I mean, he hit hit it, hit it, and hit it. We will bury you. And of course, America still had the courage and the guts at that time to stand up to them. Not only that... um, We've had uh, similar things happen among independent Baptists. You realize that in the last, oh, 10 years, there have been two different groups who have claimed to be the new independent Baptist. And trying to distinguish themselves from the old independent Baptists, one even guaranteeing that you independent Baptists, you need to be very afraid. Those kind of challenges. Today in the news, this headline on the internet, Fox News Network, here's, I'm just reading the headline now, LGBTQ activists in New York City's annual drag queen parade chanted, we're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children. Now I'm going to tell you what, if we got up and said something like that, the FBI would be down our throat. And may I say rightly so. But these people get a free pass for those kinds of threats. And when you figure all the child abuse, sexual abuse, the, uh, uh, the slavery of young people just disappearing around this country, this ought to be taken very, very seriously. But I'm not preaching on that tonight either. I had Brother Snyder take those seven weeks out to discuss the matter of the King James Bible, which we believe. Because there are people who are very, very open about trying to get King James Bible-believing churches to stop believing the King James and accept something else. It doesn't really matter what else, just as long as it's something else. And they are doing their best to reach into churches, churches who are willing to dialogue with these people. Listen, I wouldn't be dialoguing with this LGBTQ thing over what they're saying at all. I'd just be flat standing against it. And when it comes to those who start arguing against the word of God, and it's not that they've got something better because they don't even know if they have the Bible or not. We know we've got the Bible. They're just not satisfied that you know 
you have the word of God. And so they're trying to convince people to go to Bibles that anything would be all right. And yet, let me show you this. Turn over to the book of Deuteronomy. A moment. Keep your hand here in Acts. We're coming back to it. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8 and verse 3. This is going to sound very familiar to you about halfway through the verse. Scripture says, And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by, now notice this, every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Anyway, I, I was quoting from Jesus there halfway through this thing, so I'm going to read it correctly this time, halfway through the verse, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Now, that's an Old Testament verse. However, we go over to New Testament verse, and we've got the Lord Jesus Christ himself speaking. This is at his temptation. And he says in verse 4, But he answered and said, It is written. And we just read where it's written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You've either got an every word Bible, or you don't have a Bible. These people don't talk about the souls they've won to Christ. They talk about the churches that believe the Bible that have now stopped believing the Bible because they use their superior wisdom. And when you read some of their quotes, like that of Mark Ward, where he basically, they admit, they admit freely that whatever translation you pick, all of it's not going to be right. Well, which parts? Well, just pick one, anywhere, which means you find a Bible that you can live with, but then you don't have a Bible because you're going to be leaving out the Word of God. Now, I'm not so much preaching on the King James Bible. I'll be preaching from the King James Bible tonight. What I'm preaching on is the dishonesty, the deceit, and the attack by these people upon local churches. Now, to put that attack on local churches means they are attacking believers. Let me tell you what's going to, what their fruit is going to be. Their fruit is going to be this. They're going to end up having numbers of folks in the next few years who no longer believe that the Bible is authoritative because they can't guarantee that it is. And some of those people, especially some young adults who've never gotten grounded yet, never gotten conviction in their lives, go two years, three years down the line, they won't even be in church. They won't have anything to do with God because our anchor is the word of God. And what you cut anchor, you can't stop how far you drift downstream. This book never changes. It is always the same. Now, I had you turn to Acts chapter 20. The Apostle Paul warned God's people 
beginning in verse 27. Now, he'd already started a church at Ephesus, and he is dealing with the Ephesian elders in this passage. He says, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Do you understand for these people that their work, their whole work, all that they're about is getting you to no longer to trust the Bible you've been trusting for years. That's all they're about. They do not feel like they're successful until you're ready to start looking for another Bible. And may I say, the next Bible you decide to trust, you'll only be with that for a while till you find some things you don't like in it, and then you'll find yourself another one. Man, there's a hundred English translations of the Bible out there. Some of them leave off passages. They all, they all leave out, off words and phrases that's in God's word. Well, how do I know what is and what isn't? Thank God I got a Bible that was translated from the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I'm happy with that. Now, notice he said, grievous wolves shall enter in among you, not sparing the flock. All right, go over to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. I didn't do all the screaming in VBS like everybody else did, but I am losing my voice anyway. You notice Jesus is speaking. He says in verse 10, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. So we have the Lord Jesus Christ letting us know that he is the good shepherd. He cares for the sheep. He watches over the sheep. You understand the Bible, the word pastor is the word shepherd. The word shepherd is the word pastor, by the way, exactly the same. Sometimes it's translated the one word pastor. Sometimes it's translated shepherd. And uh, exactly the same meaning. It's like you have the phrase eternal life and everlasting life. In John chapter 3 and verse 15, it says eternal life. In John chapter 3 and verse 16, it says everlasting life. And they are exactly the same word. 
everlasting and eternal is the same. Not two different words. It's the same word. You say, well, why did they translate it different words? They meant exactly the same thing. You understand? One is not the quality of life and the other the quantity of life. There's no contextual reason to even think that so. They both are forever. Hey, how about that? See, we learned the Bible at Madison Baptist Church. Amen. Uh, this is really plain. Now, you go to the book. You don't need to turn there. The book of the Revelation. You've got the first church that he writes to. He writes to a church that has just simply left its first love. It's still believing everything right. You get to the third and fourth church that he writes to, and man, they had some problems. In the third and fourth churches, he has to rebuke them and tells them to repent or else he'd come unto them quickly. That wrong people had gotten into the church. You get to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and it's an amazing statement the apostle Paul makes. He says, how say some of you that there is no resurrection from the dead? That there were people in the church that did not believe in a resurrection from the dead. They were in the church. They were part of the church. And he goes to let them know if there be no resurrection, then Christ is not raised. And if Christ is not raised, then ye are yet in your sins. Those that have gone before, they died in their sins. They're still lost. I mean, if you don't believe in the resurrection, the bodily resurrection of Christ, then you're not saved. The Bible says that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Do you understand that there are certain doctrines that are so fundamental, if you don't believe those things, you're not saved. The church has always, from the very first century, had to be on guard for those who would bring in false doctrine. And there's no more fundamental doctrine than the doctrine of Scripture. It is up to the church that is known as, in the Scripture, 1 Timothy 3.15, as the pillar and ground of the truth. This ought to be a place that when we come into, it is not about personalities, it's about truth. It's about God's truth. This is not a neighborhood Bible study where the Baptists, Methodists, Nazarene, Catholics, and Jehovah's Witnesses can come in and all share. This is a place where the truth must be preached, it must be held to, and there can be no compromise. Because once you begin compromising on the word of God, it won't be long. You really won't even be a church. I mean, after all, what part do you compromise on? Either it means what it says, or it doesn't mean what it says. Now, Paul here is speaking to the Ephesian elders. This, as far as he knew at that time, it could be the last time that he would ever see them on this earth. And he gives this warning to them 
about people that would come in, wolves in sheep's clothing, seeking to devour the flock. He even warns them that there would be some of the very men he was talking to who would be turned. Now, it's one thing to have heretics come into the church and become part of the church. It's another thing when you end up with somebody coming out of the church, they're still in the church, but their whole purpose is to take over leadership to lead it in a false way. Now, the Lord Jesus often referred to the Christians, to the believers, as sheep. As a matter of fact, we're seen as God's sheep in Psalm 23, Psalm 100. John chapter 10 is an entire chapter where he deals with the, with the picture of believers being sheep. As a matter of fact, back here in Acts chapter 10, I have to get me some water here, or chapter 20 in verse 28, he says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost had made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. You see, the thing is, the church doesn't belong to us doesn't belong to the pastor. It belongs to God. He bought it and paid for it with his blood. It is never to be about our will. It is always to be about his will. And several times in the book of John, chapter 10, he issues warnings to the sheep that there are wolves who want your destruction. Well, I've got news for you. There are people out there who would love to destroy Madison Baptist Church if they could. Some who've gone out from us. And we have to be careful. Because, you see, normally we want to think good of everybody. Some of you know the name David Gibbs. David Gibbs is a Christian lawyer. He's helped a lot of churches. Uh, especially in dealing with overreaching government agencies in the last 40 years. He's done an awful lot of work in those areas. I heard him say this several times. He said, uh, my dad told me that he had never seen a man killed by a wild bull. And then David Gibbs said, but he told me that he had seen five men killed by tame ones. Because you see, you don't turn your back on a wild bull. But you turn your back on a tame one. And that's when you get killed. So sometimes we have to understand that, yes, all right, we, we want, we'd like to think everybody here is going to heaven. But now we know that's not true. Jesus warned us about the enemy who comes in and sows tares among the wheat. I don't have any idea who the tares may be. I don't know. But I know this. I'm to be sober, to be vigilant. For our adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. And that as the shepherd of the sheep, as the under-shepherd to the Lord Jesus Christ, I have a responsibility as a pastor to see to it that the wolf doesn't get you. Now, if that wasn't such an important responsibility, then I'd be a hireling. 
and not a shepherd. Now, as I get older, I like fighting less and less. When I was a young man, you know, I'd fight the drop of a hat, and sometimes I'd even drop the hat. Just, but I'm an old man now, and I don't like to do it, but I'll tell you what, I still will. I'll fight for the church. Now, we got to be ready. That's why we need to be in the Word of God. That's why we need to know the Word of God. And it's why, since we have a lot of young people here, they need to know that we know why we believe the Word of God. So if somebody comes in with a message to destroy the belief of the people in the church in the Word of God, that we can spot them right away and mark them. The Bible says, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. You don't friend them on Facebook. You avoid them. By the way, these people use Facebook and YouTube and all that an awful lot. Uh, They know far better how to do it than what I do. And the sad thing is they have, unfortunately, people's attention 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I only have some people's half attention for three hours a week. So first of all, you've got the pastor and the flock. Jesus is the chief pastor, uh, the chief shepherd, 1 Peter 5 and verse 4, John chapter 10, 11 through 13, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, and here in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. The pastor of the flock, the word, uh, by the way, a pastor is to lead the sheep. That's what a shepherd does. He leads the sheep. He does not drive the sheep. He leads the sheep. He has that responsibility. He is an overseer. The word that's translated, uh, matter of fact, the word that means overseer is the word bishop. He is an overseer. You understand that biblically a bishop is not a person that is over several churches. A bishop is the overseer of the church. Now, here's where a lot of Baptists, unfortunately, have become unbiblical. Because the word deacon is the word servant. And yet, there are a lot of Baptist churches that have the servants overseeing the overseer. And that's not biblically correct. That's wrong. That's why a lot of churches get in a mess. And the pastors can't be pastors. They can't accomplish anything because the servants only want the pastor to do what they want him to do. You're getting a lot of good stuff here. This This ought to be a long course. Help us out. He is a provider. John chapter 21 and verse 15. You remember Peter was commanded three times, feed my sheep. He is a leader. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. And he is to be a protector. A hireling lets the wolf do what he wants. The shepherd protects even to death. He protects. Then you've got the predator in the flock. Matter of fact, if you go down to verse, oh, let's see. Well, in verse 29 of Acts chapter 20. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves. Now notice the terminology. Enter in among you. Boy, that's what you got to be careful for. That's why they put on the sheep's clothing so that they can get in among you. As a matter of fact, 
That's pretty much what a lot of these people who are trying to get the changing in the word of God done. They go in to a church that they know is a King James only church. And they are not. Sounds like a lot of Calvinists who take over churches. They don't tell people they're Calvinists. When they're asked a direct question, they give an answer that's rather evasive. And then they become the pastor. And from that point on, they do all that they can to try to make that church Calvinist. They don't go out and build churches themselves. They steal churches. And this group that are fighting against the King James Bible, they don't want to go out and win souls and build a church, start a church and build it. What they want to do is go into a place where souls were won by King James Bible-believing Christians. Money was given to build the building to provide the place for the people to be there and to worship. And they simply want to steal the church. And when they begin carrying on their wickedness with what they're doing and somebody comes up to complain, they are told, well, you can just leave and go someplace else. And the truth is, the person that ought to be expelled from there is that wolf in sheep's clothing that's trying to lead the sheep. This is very serious stuff. The point is, the predator in the flock is not a sheep, he's a wolf. Jesus warned in Matthew 7, 15, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Just as there are wolves in Bible-believing churches, who knows? And, I, and I'm just saying this, Bible-believing churches that have still got the sheep's clothing on. Even in Madison Baptist Church, it's possible. I hope we don't have any. I hope. But the Bible says we're to be sober and we are to be vigilant. And as we study the Bible, after all, you don't want to end up being like Abner walking underneath the gate with the very man who's wanting to put you to death, who's wanting to destroy you and your faith. So if you know the word of God, you can spot them a whole lot easier. Their motive is to destroy and make a meal for themselves. Verse 29. Just as wolves look for the vulnerable ones, so these wolves look for that one who is vulnerable so that they can eventually tear them apart to start a dialogue with them. But notice their motive in John 10.10 when he says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life. You know, sheep are most susceptible to the wolves in sheep's clothing when the sheep get as far away from the shepherd as what they can get. The shepherd is there for their protection. But when they stay away from the shepherd so they can get off in a corner with one of those wolves in sheep's clothing, then they're going to hear things and say, man, I've not heard that before. Man, is this something new I should be listening to? That's the time you ought to run to the shepherd and find out. Don't be ashamed of that. It's not a spirit of weakness, by the way. As a matter of fact, these are called grievous wolves. That doesn't necessarily mean fierce or mean. It has the idea, the word does, of causing grief. Grievous. That's how it gets the term. Uh, it has a meaning of weighty. In uh, Matthew twenty-three, twenty-three, the scripture says, Woe unto you, scribes! 
and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. It's the same word translated grievous right here. In Acts 25, 7, and when he was come to the Jews, which came down from Jerusalem, stood round about, and laid many in grievous complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. As a matter of fact, many times what wolves do when they're seeking to pray is they jump on it, they latch onto it, and they just simply weigh their prey down to where they no longer have the strength to fight. What kind of wolves? Those who cause grief. Those who weigh down. So you can have wolves in church, either male or female, who seek out those who are vulnerable and weigh them down until they destroy them. And they most often today, they most often use their tongue. The tongue is a very valuable tool for that. Remember, it's with the mouth that the wolves get their prey. So we see the pastor, we see the predator, and then there's the problem with the prey, if we want to keep the peace going here, but I'm going to say we see the problem, though, for the shepherd. Remember, the responsibility for the sheep is the shepherd. How does the predator enter in? According to John chapter 10 and verse 2, he enters up not, in by, not by the door, but he ends up coming over the wall. And it's where the pastor has to be awake and alert. Or they come in disguised in sheep's clothing. The comment in verse 30 is interesting of Acts chapter 20 when he says, Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. They often go after the young. After all, they're the easiest to kill. Well, how does the shepherd get them out? Well, in the scripture, David as a shepherd used his bare hands or used a sling. He uh, fought bigger things than wolves. He fought a lion and he fought a bear to protect the flock. But how do we do that today? Well, the scripture says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We don't challenge somebody to a duel. We don't have a shootout and it's not a fist fight that determines right. He says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I remember several years ago, I was pastoring in another city. And when I went there, there was one particular individual that I didn't know this. I found out about it after being there about five or six weeks. There was one particular man who had been the Sunday school superintendent. He was an older gentleman, although he was probably younger than what I am right now. But he was an older gentleman to me because I was a young pastor. And uh, I found out that this man was one of the main reasons why the pastor before me had left. In that, whereas he was all smiles to the pastor, when he got with other people, he was always running the pastor down. And I found out that there, I hadn't been there long, that there was some discord going on. I hadn't been there long enough for anybody to be mad at me yet. But he was doing his sniping to different people with his mouth. And it was, I found out it was starting to get pretty bad. 
Now remember, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I believe that we had an opportunity to see God do some mighty things at our church, but obviously the division that was being caused was only going to keep us from doing what God could have us do in that city. And so I started praying. Now, I was a young preacher. And I'm not saying this to encourage anybody to do exactly the same thing. But I did believe in prayer. By the way, I still do. I did believe that God answers prayer. And I still do. And I did believe that that's one of the weapons that God gives us in any fight that we may be in. And so I started praying for this individual. I want to make sure it doesn't slip out and I give the guy's name, not that any of you would have any idea who it was. But I started praying for this individual. I said, Lord, I'd sure like to see this guy get right with you. I believe he's been a Christian for a long time. Uh, The people know him. I'd like to see him get right with you. Lord, would you please convict him? But Lord, if, if he's not going to get right, and you would know that, then would you just kill him? Now, I was a young preacher. Young preachers get rather bold and brash. You didn't know that, did you? You didn't know that. That's what I prayed. And, man, two weeks went by. He had a heart attack. He was put in the hospital, one of the hospitals in Nashville, Tennessee. Now, I'm still praying for him. I'd like to see him get well. I prayed for his healing. I, I... I said, Lord, I really believe this guy could be used of you. But in your dealing with his heart, if you know that he's, he will not get right with God and he's going to continue to be a thorn, then take him on home. He was in the hospital for a little over a week and he went out into eternity. And I want to tell you something, that scared me. I mean, that frightened me. I never touched him. Matter of fact, I preached his funeral. That's tough, isn't it? About six months later, I had another man. This guy, he had been a, well, he'd been a rascal most all of his life. He had, he had run illegal booze all around. They call them rum runners back then. I, I don't know what they necessarily call them today. But supposedly, he had made a profession of faith. And I have to say, in the first six months that I was there, nobody, I mean the entire church together, did not get as many people out to our church services as that one man did. But he was was so brash, he'd just go up to people that he knew and say, you need to come to church this Sunday. They'd come. That's amazing. You get a whole bunch to come like that. and evidently, he was, I, see, I didn't see him saved. He'd gotten saved several weeks before I got there. Well, anyway, one Sunday, I was preaching, Sunday night. I was preaching on a lot of things, but I was preaching on clothes. And the Bible says an awful lot about clothes, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. I got to preaching on women's apparel, and... This man and another man, friend of his, stood up and walked out to church. Their wives didn't walk out. 
which was kind of surprising. I would have thought they would have walked out. But the men walked out. The women stayed there for the rest of the service. Those two men called everybody in the church that week to try to get them to not come back. So they were gone. By the way, everybody came back with them. A couple months after that had passed, he called me up and he asked if my wife and I could come out to his house and, and play, some, uh, play some cards. And I said, uh, sure, I'll, we'll come. when I say cards, I'm talking about Rook. It's the only cards I play. Well, I play Uno too, but that's anyway. He wasn't an Uno player. And so we played a couple games and we made small talk. And then he says, preacher, I'm thinking about coming back out there to church. I said, good, Bill, it'll be good to see you. He said, but now, preacher, you go to preaching on pants again, and I'm going to get up and walk out. I said, then don't even enter the door, because as soon as I see your face, that's all I'm going to preach on. <laughs> well, he didn't come back. But... <laughs> Then he started making more calls to try to be a problem. And so, well, Lord, you answered prayer last time. I'm going to pray again. And so I didn't pray for God to kill him this time. I, honestly, that scared me. And so I said, Lord, if this guy's not going to get right, will you move him out of here? Just move him out. And this is no joke. Two weeks later, he moved to another city over 30 miles away. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You see, we need to go to pray. I, I know we're, I say we're Southerners. Uh, some of us aren't. But, you know, basically we're ready to fight for things. How about going to our knees? When Israel needed a hero, Daniel went to his knees. He prayed. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Not only that, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm sorry, chapter 5, there was a man in the church taking adultery with his father's wife. And of all things, the church was puffed up about it. You know, there are a lot of these so-called modern Christians who believe that because we're saved by grace, it doesn't matter what you do. If you want to commit adultery, you want to curse a little bit, you want to paint yourself up, whatever, that because we're saved by grace, it's okay. And it's not okay. Grace does offer forgiveness of sin, but it never okays sin. Never. And so he tells the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, turn such a one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, I hate the idea of having to do that. I've had to do it a few times. I hate doing it. I thank God that most of the time when one of our people have gotten into bad sin and we've gone to them, they've chosen to get right with the Lord and then ask the church to forgive them. And for those of you who have been here during those times, 
that ends up being some of the sweetest services that we have because they come forward to confess that they had done wrong. They had shamed the name of Christ and shamed the name of the church. That they'd gotten things right with God. Now they wanted to ask the church to forgive them. We have them come around and the people, uh, the people come around and tell them they love them and they're praying for them. We've seen a lot of brokenness and just wonderful things. But sometimes they're not willing to get right. What do you do? Turn them out. We use, we use terms like church them. Well, obviously, uh, that may not be the Bible term for it, but that's what you do. And you treat them as a heathen and not as a brother. Now, it doesn't mean you go out and smear their name. That's something you do in the church, not something you do out in the world. We don't put their names on Facebook, YouTube. That's just filthy and wrong. But God gives us instruction on what we're to do. So what does a shepherd do? Yes, he ought to be willing to die for the church. But I think of Amos chapter 3, verse 12. Thus saith the Lord, as the shepherd taketh out of the mouth of the lion two legs and a piece of an ear. You see, when the lion's taken one of the sheep, the shepherd goes after it till he gets at least what's left of the sheep back, even if it's only two legs and a piece of an ear. Why? Because he's the shepherd. That's what the shepherd does. He ought to be willing to do everything he can to keep the sheep. Well, the protection for the flock, normally the sheep will not have the same discernment as the shepherd. The reason wolves put on sheep's clothing is to fool the sheep, not the shepherd. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we already covered that. Or Simon the sorcerer. It's interesting in Acts chapter 5, that when Simon the sorcerer began, who got saved, the Bible says he believed and was baptized. That's God's commentary on it. But when he sees that Peter and John could lay hands on the Christians and they be filled with the Holy Spirit, he went to them and said, how much can I pay you to be able to do that too? And you read the chapter, Peter, man throws all kinds of coals on him. He rebukes him in a very harsh way. And the man responded by getting right. The man said, pray for me if these things don't happen to me. We seem to think if we ever rebuke somebody that they're gone for good. Well, if they end up leaving because of a rebuke that was needed, then that's on them. But Simon the sorcerer understood it. By the way, when Jesus rebuked Peter... Peter didn't run off. Now, there's a caution on this. Understand something about sheep. Sheep may butt one another, you know, knock another sheep with their head. And sheep may even run into the shepherd. But the sheep doesn't attack the shepherd. Because he's the shepherd and they're the sheep. The wolf, now that's another matter. The wolf will do what he can to destroy the shepherd. You say, well, what should the flock do then? The Bible says, mark them which cause the visions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. When a sheep is not acting like a sheep, you withdraw yourself. In 2 Thessalonians 3, 6, now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly 
and not after the tradition which he received of us. 1 Timothy 6, 3 through 5. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting after, about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness from such turn away. Now you've seen a lot of those, what do we call those, documentary films of like the En Gedi over in Africa, where you've got the zebras and the wildebeest and all, all these different animals that travel from one area, migrate from one area to another. And all they're doing is providing a buffet line for all the lions and stuff that are, that are making the trek. It's interesting. If you look at some of those videos, you'll see, for instance, water buffalo. They'll quite often protect their own. They see another water buffalo being attacked by a lion. They'll get together and go after the lion. And the water buffalo will be saved. Not wildebeest. Man, wildebeest, lion takes one of them down. You can see them all getting off in a little corner. Glad it's not us. <laughs> and hey, they got horns. If they used them, they could keep a lot of their brothers and sisters alive. But they don't. Unfortunately, in the church, too often, we see a wolf going after someone. We just thank the Lord it's not us and let it happen. But that's not the way the sheep are supposed to be. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, uh, let them that sin rebuke before all that others also may fear. So since the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, we've got the instruction booklet right here, how we handle it. It's a lot better to bring a message like this when nothing's happening than to have to bring it when some sheep have already been taken out. We've been blessed in a lot of ways. Pastor Russell Davis, who was assistant pastor here when I became pastor. We had a prayer meeting every morning at 6.30. And every morning he would pray, Lord, protect us, protect us from those who would come in and divide us. I heard him pray that over and over and over and over again. And I don't have any doubt. God answered his prayer in so many different ways. Yeah, there's a warning to the church here. But it didn't start in the 2020s, way back in the very first century. With the first missionaries going out, the church had to be warned. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. We've been blessed. And sometimes when we've been blessed and we're happy, we're excited about everything we've seen you do this week, that we stop paying attention to the dangers that are out there. Lord, help us to continue to stand for the truth of your word. Help us, dear God, to continue to reach the lost 
with the gospel of Christ and to withstand any attacks from the evil one. Now, Lord, you bless us with many decisions this week, and I'm not even sure how to give the invitation tonight except this. If there's one lost, we pray they'd come to Jesus. Lord, for the saved, we can pray for ourselves that we learned the book well enough so that when a wolf does come in, it's easy for us to spot them and that we'd be willing to stand for the truth of your word. Have your way in our lives tonight. In Jesus' name I ask it.